0: Hey, thanks for being here tonight. It sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? I just got so excited about the snow, I just was running around, yelling all the time. No, it's allergies. So anyway, I hope you'll bear with me tonight. We'll just pray that it holds out. Um, so tonight we are wrapping up what we've been doing for the past four uh, Sunday nights. We're wrapping up a series um, that we've called Glory. And uh, essentially what we're talking about is how we, as the church, as the people of God, have the opportunity to act as kind of the term we've been using, as God's display people. The way that the world or even each other within the family of God, we should be able to look at one another and see God. It's the way that he kind of displays himself to the world. It's through us, through his people, through his church. This is a lot of what Danny's been speaking about on Sunday mornings how God displays himself through his people. Uh, the first week we were together, we started in Genesis, and we are talking about just how even creation, it, it cries out for God's glory. We look at it, and we see God's goodness. We see his creativity. We see who he is. We look at the things that are around us, and we're like, there's just no way that this could come from any place else than a God who is sovereign and in control of all things could do this. And then the week after that, Super Bowl Sunday, we talked about um, how uh, kind of taking our first step in that is that we, when we act in holiness and live in holiness, pursuing the character of God, um, repenting of sin, saying um, no to things that create space uh, in our relationship with God and pursuing things that um, cultivate intimacy uh, with God, That pursuing holiness, that that displays God's character. That we are displaying who God is. Uh, last week, Kevin Johnson, um, he took a step with us talking about the idea of forgiveness. And this is something just, just sitting here, um, as one of you last week, uh, sitting here kind of under that teaching, being reminded about what forgiveness in my own life looks like. He He walked us through the story of the prodigal son that Jesus talked about. And just remembering that I am, um, I'm, I'm a, a man who asked for everything from God and then have just squandered it. And then he just invites me back home and extends grace to me and forgives me. And how when I act in forgiveness to others that I'm displaying that character of God, I'm displaying God to others. And then tonight we're going to uh, look at love, the love of God. Now, if we had been really smart, we would have, like, known that talking about love was going to fall on Valentine's week. We were not that smart. It just kind of fell where it fell. So this is not some sort of, like, coincidental matchup here. It is a coincidental matchup. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional. But what we're going to talk about is the idea of the way that we extend love and the way that we express love to one another, that that reveals God. That that shows the character of God to those that were around. Now, when we celebrate Valentine's Day, we are often talking about an emotionally driven, um, sentimental, oftentimes self-centered kind of concept of love. Now, that may uh, it may result in us giving gifts or flowers or chocolates or something like that to someone that we have that emotional connection with. But that's not the kind of love that we're talking about tonight. When we talk about the love of God, it's almost like we just need to kind of put it in this other category, just as we've talked about how um, sometimes the vocabulary we use in the context of the church it's, church, is difficult for us to connect with. We have this concept of relational love, like my wife Holly and I have this um, kind of understanding of what love looks like in the context of relationship. But because we are sinful people, there is a even a skewed understanding of what love looks like we don't we don 't see or feel or receive constantly the perfect, unflawed, unhindered love of God, which is what we 're going to look at tonight. So if you have um, a copy of scripture with you we 're going to be in first John chapter three tonight, with my wobbly music stand up here it 's like dancing while we work through this. All right, first John chapter 3 and we're going to uh, we're going to start in verse 11 tonight. First John 3 starting in 11. It says for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does, not love does, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word not a, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Verse nineteen. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we are, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And his command and this is his commandment, that we believe in, this, in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he's commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God abides in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Uh, John is probably one of my favorite New Testament writers. Um, He writes in a a really relatable and kind of uh, um, illustrative fashion, so it's kind of easy to connect with the way that he writes. And when he writes this passage, he even kind of like walks us through a, a proper understanding of what the love of God is. He first starts off by talking about what love is not. Then he talks about what love is And then he talks about what love does for us in the life of a believer. So just walk through this passage with me, um, real briefly. So he starts off in uh, verse 11. He's saying this idea of love, it's not something new. This concept is not new. It's something that you've heard from the beginning. It's the way that God set up the parameters for man to live in relationship with each other and with himself. But when he says uh, to live in 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 context of relationship with each other, that you're to love one another, this is something that he set up for his people, uh, that he set up for his people, Israel. So this isn't something new. Jesus does take a step further with it um, um, during his time on earth. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But then he jumps back to a story that is kind of relatable. He talks about Cain, verse twelve he says, "We should not be like Cain, who was the of the evil one, and murdered his brother. All right, so this is the opposite of love if we 're looking at what love is first we 're looking at Cain and we 're saying this is what love isn 't this is hate." um even what the way that he describes what Cain's hate is you guys remember the story of Cain in Genesis um they both go before God to bring an offering um Abel's offering is accepted Cain's offering is not is not accepted and in turn um and God kind of warns Cain he says be careful and um, the enemy's kind of crouching at your door and if you're not careful he's going to devour you and Cain he he went after his own interest he was jealous of his brother he had um kind of responded off of 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 hurt or bitterness um or rejection that was in his life and took his brother's life. So it's the opposite of love here. And and think about this even as well, that it's not just like an act was done that out of the context of relationship. It's not like he went before God with someone that he didn't have relationship with, but he's before God with his brother, someone whom he should love, whom he should have regard for, his family. So he acted in hate. We shouldn't be like Cain. He's of the evil one, verse uh, 12 and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Then he talks about how the world, um, the world doesn't love us, but the world hates us. And that we shouldn't be surprised. That's what he's writing there. Verse 14, we know that we've passed out of death into light because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. So something that I think is really interesting about this passage is the way that John starts off, he starts off talking about Cain and Abel, but then he keeps, notice that he keeps using this kind of familial language here. He keeps talking about brothers. So he starts off saying, this is what love does not look like. This is what hate looks like. It looks like selfishness. It looks like acting out of your own interest or your own hurt and not out of the context of of relationship that you have with others or the relationship that you have with God. And then he keeps, he, he talks further about that. So don't be surprised, brothers. We know that we've passed from life into death. Um, verse, uh, verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. It's this kind of like continuation of this theme that's happening here. This is what the opposite of love looks like. It looks like selfishness. It looks like operating out of pain. It looks like not displaying the character of God, but displaying what is truly at the root of our heart. This is what love looks like. Then he keeps moving. He says, so this is, this is what the opposite of love looks like in Cain and Abel. But then what do we know, how do we know what love does look like? Verse 16. By this we know, love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, that we might lay our lives down for the brothers. Again, familial terms here. But if anyone has the world's goods and deeds and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Love does not look like hate. Love does not look like selfishness. Love does not look like self-centeredness. Love looks like looking at the, the example of Jesus that he has set for us. It looks like humility. It looks like selflessness. It looks like counting the needs of others before the needs of ourself. That's what John is saying here. How do we know what love looks like? We can look at Cain and say, this story is ridiculous that he acted the way that he did. No one should act like this. No one should act out of jealousy or hurt or bitterness and commit murder. But when we look at Jesus, we say, this is what love looks like. And that almost looks too hard for us as well to lay down my life for someone, to count someone else's interests of greater need than even my own. This is the standard that's set for us. This is how we know what love looks like. We look at Jesus and we see the standard that's set for us. And it is a tall, tall order. But think about what we have received from the example of love that Jesus has set for us. That in love, his acting and laying himself down, it's not just examples of love that we would think about counting others' needs um, greater than ourselves, even in the context of relationship. Think about in familial terms, think about your brother or sister or mother or father or husband or wife. Counting their needs greater than your own may mean that you don't eat what you want for dinner. It may mean that you don't go where you want to go, that you go where your spouse or your mom or where it's, it's counting in very simple terms, counting the other's needs more, more um, of greater need than, than your own. But what Jesus did for us is he, he counted his need, our needs so much greater than his life that he laid down his life for us, that he died in order that we could have life. This is the standard of love that John is setting for us don't hate love. How do we love? Love like Jesus. And what is a byproduct from this? Look at verse 19. Um, Some, as I was doing research on this, some commentators, they kind of disjoint these two sections that are going on here, verses um, 11 through verse 18. It's like he talks about love and then he talks about confidence starting in verses 19 through 24. But I really think these two sections really fit together here. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And so what are his commandments? What pleases him? That we believe in the name of of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another just as he's commanded us. And so whoever keeps these commandments... They're abiding in God and God is abiding in him. And we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So it's it's what, what John is saying here is he's saying, you love an action. You love by literally counting others' needs greater than your own in, in physical, practical, tangible ways, not just with our words, but with our actions, not just with how we wish we would act better or act more lovingly, but how we literally act in ways that count others' needs greater than our own. And so when we take this next step, he also is saying that this acting out of love, this acting and reflecting the image of Jesus, that in doing so it's almost like this reaffirmation of our own faith. That in acting out in ways that express the love of God that are that are following the example of Jesus, that we're reaffirmed that the spirit of God lives inside of us. We're reaffirmed in the relationship that we have in him. We're reaffirmed even in the way that we are acting. It's when we look at the example of Jesus and we think this is such a crazy tall order that we're supposed to live up to this standard, why else would we act in this way? Why else would we act in such a way that we would not take our own interests at heart first? Why would we not act in such a way where we would not even consider to spare our own lives? Because we are following the example of Jesus. We're following in the line of faith. It's reaffirming our faith in Christ, it's reaffirming the work that God has done in us, and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of us and enables us to act in such a way. You hear what I'm saying? It's this affirmation that is a byproduct of acting in love and not just so we can be virtuous people. I I keep wanting to drive this back home. We don't just forgive because we want to be good. We don't want to just push away from things that separate us from God because we want to be good. We don't just love so that we can be good. We are loving because we've been loved. We forgive because we've been forgiven. We act in holiness because the standard for holiness has been set in us. We're not striving after moralism. We're not striving after good feelings. We're striving after living in unhindered relationship with a perfect and holy God in a way that he has enabled us to do so through the person of Jesus Christ. That is what we are striving for. Now, this is not easy. It is not easy. And to be honest with you, this has been so, today specifically, this has been so difficult for me to process because I look at this passage and I read it and I think about the person of Jesus and I think about how he counted my need greater than his life. And that this passage is, is saying that when I act in love, that I'm displaying the character and the nature of God and that people should see the love of God through the work of Jesus Christ in me and the way that I live and act and love. But that is hard. That is really hard. what what does this look like? What does this kind of love look like practically? And and here are just a couple steps that we're going to take tonight. There's a lot more than we could talk about. This is in no way exhaustive. But what, what does this love look like? One, it displays the gospel, which this is exactly what John is talking about in verse 14. People know that we pass from death to life. Radical transformation happens in our lives by the way that we display love. It shows that Jesus actually is one who changes and restores. There is no more radical of a transformation than you can depict than from death to life. You're either living or you're dead. There is no in between. It's crazy change. People should be able to look at us and see the effectual change of the gospel in our lives. It displays it through the the way that we love, the way that we act in love. Second is this kind of love is selfless, and this is so hard. It's easy for me to love people that love me, right? Think about this even in the context of family. And John keeps using this term, talking about brothers, even using the the kind of like opening illustration of Cain and Abel. Um, Whenever we look at Cain and Abel, we're like, it's your brother, it should be easy for you to love him. You have relationship with him. Whenever you're before God, you should care about him actually in a way that you're not wanting to kill your brother because you're so upset about the way that you have been rejected, but think about your own family. The people that are the closest to us also have the access to hurt us the most. And then we have an opportunity of how we're going to act off of that. We have a choice to make in the family of God. And this is specifically what John is writing about here. In the family of faith within the church, people are going to hurt us. People are going to say things, they're going to act out of hurt, they're going to act out of anger, they're going to act out of selfishness, and we have an opportunity to respond in love or to respond out of that hurt. We have an opportunity to respond in giving the same type of grace and forgiveness and restoration that we receive through Jesus Christ, or we have the opportunity to, to extend hate, to extend um, anger, to extend words that cause deeper hurt than we've even experienced in the first place. So when we look at this and and Paul is saying love like Jesus, our nature says, I don't want to love like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus when people love me, but when people hurt me, that is hard. You with me on this? It's hard. It's selfless, the love that Jesus shows us. It's also grace-filled. I want to take a further step even outside of the walls of the church. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 43, Jesus takes this idea a step further, and he says, You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends down rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? That's so easy. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, people that are kind to you and greet you in return— What more are you doing than others? Everybody does that. Do not even Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is the same pull from Leviticus. Be holy as I am holy, like we talked about two weeks ago. So Jesus is, he takes it a step further than what John's even saying. John's talking about within the context of faith. Jesus says, this is is outside of the context of faith as well. Don't just love people that love you. Don't just love people that are kind to you. Love even those that are mean to you, that do harm against you. Now, that's totally counter nature. I want to defend myself. I want to know where the line is. I was talking to Logan about this this morning, I think. I I, I want to know how far I have to love, right? I want a line. My heart wants the law. Give me a place to stop. I'm going to love those who are mean to me, but when we get to a certain point, I I have to protect myself. I move into self-defense mode. I've got to set up good boundaries, right? Are you with me on this? I've got to set up good boundaries. Somebody tell me where that is. And that's not what Jesus talks about. Jesus actually, he even says, he says, whenever somebody hits you on one cheek, turn your cheek and let them hit you on the other. Some scholars say that what he's saying there is you let them do harm to you on one side and you turn the other side. And hopefully by showing them love, giving them that other cheek, they'll realize how crazy their action is that you would be willing to let them do that again. So Jesus isn't saying, show me the lines, Jesus is saying, act in a way that you extend the love of God, that you show love the way that you've been shown love. Now that's hard to walk out of the door with tonight. Because in this room where the few of us are sitting here together and we're talking about loving like Jesus loves and we're saying, yes, there are people in my family that have hurt me. There are people outside of the walls of the church that have hurt me. And I want to love like Jesus loves. And then we get home and we get an email, we get a phone call, we go to work tomorrow morning. And that same thing happens over again. And the first thing that we want to do is put up that wall and put up that defense and say, this is how far I want to love. This is is where my boundaries are. This is where I want to stand. But is that what Jesus is saying to us? There does need to be health in our relationships. We don't need to put ourselves in abusive situations. We do need to, to care, let let the care that God has for us and the love that God has for us, we need to let that set some healthy boundaries for us. But that doesn't mean that we get to pick and choose who we extend love to. It doesn't mean that we get to pick and choose who we forgive. It doesn't need to mean that we get to pick and choose who we live in reconciled relationship with. And this is hard to do. Jesus also says, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, he says, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. He's saying, as you love, don't be stupid. <laughs> if you put your hand on the stove, you're not gonna put it back there again. You extend love. We're responsible for our actions. It sounds like Parenting 101. Parenting 101. We're responsible for our actions. We can't help the way people treat us, but we can help how we respond. And so as we display the love that we have received, we're exhibiting the character of God. And I think especially when it's difficult, especially when it's difficult. I love the way Jesus says it. Anybody can love people that love them. But really when it's hard, Not only do people see the love of God within us, but I think that's when we feel and understand the love of God the most. When someone has hurt us and we extend love to them, it's almost like we're able to kind of put ourselves in the place of the way that we've offended God. That we have hurt him, we have wronged him, we have offended him, we've put space in between ourselves and him, and yet he loves us. He forgives us. We truly are being God's display people when we do that. So as we love, we're displaying the gospel. We're, we're doing it selflessly. We're doing it filled with grace. And lastly, just as a reminder, we're doing it based on the gospel. Flip with me to 1 John, in first John chapter 4, you may just have to flip over a page. My um, mom growing up, she was here this weekend. I wish she was here tonight. Uh, my mom, she used to do this song with us in First John 4, 7 and 8. Did anybody do that? Okay. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. She wasn't as nasally as that, but it was, it was exactly like that. Um, she, she used to do this. <laughs> She's not from Minnesota. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um she used to sing the song with us. And so anytime I look at this passage, this is what I hear is my mom singing this song. And this is First John 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son to be a perpetuation, a payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to, ought to, ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. My prayer is that tonight is a starting point. That we will start to look at the way that we actually interact with one another. Are we encouraging one another? Are we extending grace to one another? Are we loving selflessly toward each other? Within the walls of this church, Are we loving one another in such a way that whenever we're having conversation, we're being reminded of our faith? That we're seeing the character of God in one another when we are living in relationship with our literal neighbors that live on our street? Are we displaying the character of God through the way that we extend love and grace to not just keep moving on autopilot, but to actually engage life Engage relationships. Maybe when you get home tonight, you think about that person that has been in your mind when I'm talking about being hurt. And you ask God to help you make that step in acting in love. Not just out of goodness. Not so that God will love you more because that will not happen. You don't earn his love by loving others. We operate out of the love that we have received from him. We show the love that we have been shown. Are you with me on this? It's hard. It's difficult. But just like John tells us, he says the Spirit of God is living inside of us. And He enables us to do this. He does. We lean on Him, and He gives us the ability to love, the ability to forgive. He does this work. We walk in obedience. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that following you is not easy. It sounds like a weird thing to pray, but it is true in this moment. I thank you that living in relationship with you is something that I get to constantly stay on my toes with. I get to look at the way that I have relationships with other people, the way that I live and act and respond. And I get to say, does this line up with following Jesus or does it not? And tonight is one of those questions. Does the way that we love, the way that we interact with one another, not just in thinking about love, but acting and speaking and extending physical love to one another and the way that we love and serve one another, Is that happening in my life? Is that happening with our relationships? And God, I just pray that your spirit, as he does in our lives, that he would work, that he would apply this to the soil of our heart, just like fertilizer to the ground, and that he would bear fruit that comes from your word. That if there are places that we need to repent where we have not acted in love, that we would do that, that we would take that step, that we would live in obedience and and ask for forgiveness from you and maybe from someone that we've offended. Father, and that we would cognizantly pay attention to those that are around us, look for ways to be eager in extending love in the way that Jesus has eagerly extended his love to us through his life, through his death on the cross for our sin, and from his raising from the grave. Let us love as you have loved us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.